Hello and Noel Lim on ASEAN Speaks by Maybank. We discuss our revised forecast in light that the FOMC has guided for one more 25 basis point hike this year. Additionally, for ASEAN equities, specifically the Thai market, why did it experience a pullback despite the resolution of political uncertainty? We also look at different industries, the outlook for large-scale solar projects in Malaysia, the cement industry in Indonesia, and retail in Thailand. Winston Poon, our Head of Fixed Income Research, moderates the call. Good morning, everyone. It's 8 o'clock on Monday. A quick recap for last week. Global stocks were broadly lower. In the US, tech stocks led decline as the hype on AI faded. The Nasdaq index was down by 3.6%, while the S&P 500 index fell 2.9%. US equities had experienced a major pullback since topping out at the end of July, with the S&P 500 having lost close to 6% since then. Other key markets also traded lower. The Euro stocks 50 uh, down by 2%, Hang Seng Index down by 0.7%, and the Nikkei 225 down by 3.4% last week. In ASEAN, however, it was a mixed bag. Singapore's Straits Times uh, led decline, falling 2.3%, but uh, Indonesia and Philippines stock indices managed to post small gain. Government bond yields generally uh, went higher. The 10-year U.S. Treasury yield crossed 4.5% before falling back to 4.43 on Friday. The U.S. credit spread's performance was mixed, tighter for high grades, but wider for junk bonds. It was a busy week on central bank meetings. All kept interest rates unchanged, including the Fed, the Bank of England, the Bank of Japan, Philippines, BSP, and also Bank Indonesia. Uh, but there was a small hawkish surprise from the Fed uh, because the FOMC continued to guide for one more hike this year and uh, both the median for 2024 and 2025 were also revised higher. Uh, later, we'll have, have been to comment on this. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, the Bank of England decision delivered a dovish surprise because the UK base rate was maintained at 5.25% when the consensus expected a hike. Uh, in the UK, the latest survey of purchasing manager or PMI index by the S&P Global pointed to a contraction and economic activity is falling, uh, is fast losing steam, led by the services sector. The survey showed an abrupt turn in employment condition as private sector companies are cutting staff at the fastest pace since the pandemic. Uh, in China, the renminbi traded slightly weaker uh, versus the dollar uh, to 73 uh, it was reported that Country Garden missed a coupon uh, for its dollar bond again last week, although there is uh, still a 30-day grace period. Uh, on Malaysia, headline CPI was unchanged at 2% year-on-year in August, same as July, while the core inflation is further to 2.5%, down from 28 in July, which is the lowest level since May last year. Malaysia's external trade uh, was still sluggish, with a larger year-on-year decline of close to 20% in August. But trade surplus remained healthy at about $17 billion. This week, the key data to watch for include Singapore's uh, CPI on Monday, the Bank of Thailand's rate decision on Wednesday. Uh, they are expected to hike by 25 BIP. And come Friday, 
we have China PMI, the Eurozone CPI, and also US PCE inflation. And this morning, we have Harbin to comment on US FOMC and Singapore Econ Update. Anand on ASEAN equity strategy and also sustainability sector. Uh, Shifa on Malaysia renewable energy. Uh, William on Indonesia cement sector and Sutatip on Thailand retail sector. Uh, let's start with Harbin. Uh, the US FOMC maintained interest rate uh, as widely expected, but continue to guide for more rate hike. Uh, what are the key takeaways from the meeting and your forecast for this year and next year? Hey, hi, good morning. So I think the Fed pause was in line with ours and market expectations. But I think despite the pause, the FOMC statement was um, you know, was a tinge more hawkish. Uh, first, I think it highlighted the combination of now strong economic growth versus moderate in the previous statement. I think the second point is that in the labor market, they still say that it's still strong versus robust uh, in, the, in the previous statement. And on inflation, the, F, the Fed is still highlighting the elevated inflation despite the downtrend amid the recent surge in crude oil prices. So I think overall it sounds uh, a narrative which suggests that the rates would be higher for longer. Um, we note also the Fed's upgraded growth forecast, which has now been raised to 2.1% this year. That's quite a big uh, upgrade from the previous 1% and also to 1.5% next year from 1.1%. I think that's kind of suggests that the, the central line base case is more like a soft landing rather than a shallow recession. Uh, even though Powell did you know, say, in, a, say in, in interviews that um, you know, they cannot rule out a recession. Uh, just to highlight that the Atlanta Fed now cast for the third quarter, US GDP growth is tracking about 4.9%. So that's a, a substantial pickup in terms of growth from the second quarter. Uh, they've also lowered the unemployment rate forecast uh, for, for, for this year to 3.8%, again, suggesting a tight labor market. And core inflation has been lowered slightly. So given a strong growth outlook and tighter labor market, we, uh, we now think that the Fed will probably hike the funds rate by another 25 bips at the next FOMC meeting end of October, uh, ends on 1st November, followed by a 100 bips rate cut in 2024, which will probably only materialize in the second half of next year. Bear in mind that the Fed's uh, dot plots only factor in a 50 bips rate cut next year. Okay. Um, moving to Singapore, last week there was data on the non-oil domestic exports or NODEX, uh, which fell uh, 20% year on year. I think it's continued for almost 11 months. Uh, is global demand still weak? Do you see any geographical divergence in export demand? Uh, what is your full year forecast for NODEX and also GDP growth? And next month we have the MS meeting. Do you expect any change? So Singapore's Nordex, uh, non-all domestic exports fell 20% in August. That's 11 straight month decline. Uh, electronics um, exports also contracted pretty sharply you know, by 11.6%. Uh, this was worse than expected um, and was a bit um, contrary to expectations because Singapore's industrial production actually recovered quite well in January, July, especially for semiconductors. Semiconductors production actually turned positive in July. So I guess we're waiting to see more data come out to confirm the trend because 
the two seems to be moving opposite directions. Uh, the manufacturing data will be out this week, and that should give us a better gauge of the manufacturing electronics demand. Uh, across all markets, actually, for that exports figures, um, there was a contraction except for Indonesia. And exports to the US and both China also fell. Exports to the US actually contracted a sharp 32%, and exports to China actually fell 16%. So nothing too positive about that Nordex number. We're maintaining our Nordex forecast at minus 9% to minus 12% this year. And growth remains largely driven by services and construction. For GDP growth, we're maintaining our forecast of 0.8% this year, which factors in a mild recovery in the second half and a growth of 2.2% next year. Uh, we're expecting the MES to maintain the current appreciation stance at October meeting, given sticky core inflation. Thanks, Habin. Uh, we'll move to Anand on ASEAN equity strategy. Uh, Anand, um, can you share the key developments or any change in call for sector or stocks? Also, for Thailand, market seem to have experienced a sharp pullback since the high in late August. Are investors in Thailand or foreign investors still worried about the politics in Thailand? And also Malaysia, um, does higher CPO stockpile affect your call on the plantation sector? Yeah, hi, good morning, everyone. So for the last two weeks, you know, ASEAN markets have trended lower uh, and uh, generally it's been down to a few factors. One, we've seen a renewed net foreign outflows uh, through uh, uh, early September uh, into you know, mid-September. This compares to August where we did see, uh, and, and July in particular, where we saw you know, some, some healthy inflows. Also, macro data has been relatively soft coming out of the region. Uh, and this is after uh, quite uh, lackluster uh, 2Q reporting as well. Uh, and finally, you know, the higher for longer uh, signaling by the Fed hasn't helped uh, sentiment as well uh, as uh, regional economies are already seeing uh, much slower uh, economic growth. So sentiment, uh, you know, Winston has definitely taken a, a step down uh, compared to July uh, when things were much more uh, buoyant. Nonetheless, uh, you know, retreating stock prices do give us opportunities to upgrade uh, on quality stocks. Uh, one good example is the Indonesian um, cement sector where we have uh, initiated coverage uh, with an overweight rating uh, and we have buys on both uh, Cement Indonesia as well as uh, Indo Cement. Uh, we've also uh, upgraded to buy uh, in other areas. Uh, Thai REITs we've upgraded to positive as well. Uh, top pick being CPN REIT. Uh, the yield on that stock is amazing. It's about 10%. So definitely worth looking at. And there are some other REITs in Thailand as well, which yield close to 10% as well uh, in that report. I've also upgraded uh, banking stock, uh, BBNI in uh, Indonesia, uh, renewables place solar uh, west in Malaysia, as well as Ganting plantations uh, in Malaysia to buy as well. So you can see that, you know, we are taking this opportunity with markets pulling back uh, to raise some of our ratings. Uh, on your second question on Thailand, uh, Chuck has given quite a good uh, uh, sort of explanation uh, for the current unexpected softness uh, in ASEAN Plus, if you read the Thai paragraph here. Uh, as you can see from the title, unexpected market doldrums, uh, you know, we acknowledge that it is not expected uh, to see the market so weak as uh, politics really should be in the rearview mirror uh, and earnings outlook should be better uh, due to government stimulus. However, you know, uh, Chuck was on a roadshow in Singapore and some of the feedback was, was quite cautious. Uh, still some investors worried about political stability. Uh, also policy implementation, uh, particularly the government budget that's upcoming. 
uh, as well as the short-term nature of the key policies announced thus far, such as the you know uh, subsidies for energy use, which is really quite negative for the market because there are a lot of uh, listed energy companies which are negatively affected by that kind of uh, you know blanket subsidy being given by the government. I would also take this opportunity to show the contrast here. You know, Thailand is going with very short-term stimulus measures uh, by the government without really talking about the longer-term structural issues or plans compared to Malaysia, which is exactly the opposite. You know, otherwise unveiled a bunch of long-term strategy policy announcements like uh, the tra energy transition and a new industrial master plan. But we're still waiting for short-term policies like GST and subsidy rollback. So you can see the contrast, but definitely the Malaysia plan appears to be getting a bit more traction with clients compared to the short-term uh, Thai uh, plan at this point. Um, on the, and to finish off, uh, on the quarterly uh, ESG update, which we published last week as well, uh, it's mixed news. If you are an investor, then you may be a little bit concerned because global fund flows remain quite sluggish. You can see in figure one here. Into sustainability-related uh, funds, uh, you know, still still positive, but uh, still quite sluggish. But the point we would make is, uh, you know, if you look at the underlying data, you know, AUMs under management are increasing. Uh, actual investments uh, in uh, transition technology are, are, uh, are increasing. And two major turning points appear to be on the horizon. One is, uh, you know, fossil fuel usage is expected to peak before the end of this decade. Uh, so that's a historic turning point because it has increased year on year for the last century, yeah, without fail. And the second thing is, if we look at the data on figure five here, green bond issuance for the first time has eclipsed or overtaken uh, issuance for fossil fuel related projects. Yeah, so green bonds, which are for environmentally friendly projects, uh, are now uh, bigger uh, in terms of size than for fossil fuels. So we have reached a turning point. Uh, and this report really stresses that, as well as the uh, key policy measures like the Inflation Reduction Act in the US, carbon border tax in the EU, uh, and what the regulators are doing uh, on a, at a global level to standardize disclosures. Everything is heading in the right direction to accelerate transition. For Malaysia, uh, we are also on the bandwagon. Obviously, you can see the policy announcements, NETR, uh, New Industrial Master Plan, Madani, all have a very heavy sustainability focus. We also track um, risk ratings by Sustainalytics for Malaysian stocks, and it remains uh, you know, broadly very positive. If you look into the report, uh, you can see all these green boxes here uh, mean that scores are improving. The stocks that stand out, CTOS, uh, Aeon, Sunway, but also mentioned Vitrox in there as big improvers uh, year to date. Uh, and finally, our 15 top ESG portfolio continues to outperform the market as well as MSCI Malaysia. So I get to keep my job for a little while longer with it. Could you also remind us your forecast for Malaysia KLCI index? Sure. So when you guys look at the ASEAN Plus, you'll see uh, on page four, uh, all the index targets for all the ASEAN countries by the respective heads of research. So this uh, index target for Malaysia, 1520. Uh, is what we uh, haven't changed that uh, since the second half strategy outlook report uh, in July and even after the, the uh, 2Q reporting. Yeah, so it's not a very aggressive target. I think uh, we are more optimistic that on next year's uh, index, we think uh, 2006, 2007, once the policy measures we've announced uh, on the last couple of months are actually executed, I think people are waiting for signs of execution uh, and that will really uh, you know, take the market much higher. Thanks, Anand. Uh, we'll move to Shifa on Malaysia renewable energy sector. 
Shifa, can you share updates such as the progress of large-scale solar LSS projects and the new corporate green power program, CGPP? How is the government going to achieve the 70% renewable energy target by 2050? Do we get more clarity in terms of the roadmap ahead? Hi, good morning. The Energy Commission, EC, had recently released the progress of large-scale solar, LSS, where 57% of the projects are completed as at second quarter 2023. To date, uh, 2.4 gigawatt of LSS projects were awarded, where 1.4 gigawatt are operational. The remaining of LSS are still in progress, uh, which we expect mostly to complete by end uh, of this year, with uh, no new lead large-scale solar awards, uh, the EC had recently awarded uh, 563 megawatt of uh, solar projects under the new Corporate Green Power Program, CGPP. Uh, this is to be completed by end 2025. The remaining balance of CGPP quota will still be available until end of this year. Uh, we now await for the EPCC awards under the new CGPP in the next uh, three to six months, which we estimate to generate about 2 billion ringgit uh, of EPCC potential, providing order book replenishment opportunities. Uh, under the recently launched National Energy Transition Roadmap, uh, NETR, the government has uh, raised the installed renewable energy capacity target to 70% by 2050. Uh, significant solar capacity growth is expected is required over the next uh, three decades, uh, comprising about 59 gigawatt. This is about 58% of installed capacity by 2050 from currently at 4%. Meanwhile, uh, natural gas uh, will continue to play a pivotal uh, role in Malaysia's energy landscape as a transition energy with coal expected to fully phase out by 2050. Do you see any stock? opportunity in the sector and what is your topic? Uh, hi, yes. Uh, the EPCC players like Solarvest, uh, Saipak, uh, Pekat and uh, Samaiden will continue to uh, benefit from this. And my topic sector uh, is Solarvest with strong project pipeline to replenish its order book while also expanding its own solar assets. Okay, thanks Shifa. We'll move to William um, on Indonesia cement. Uh, William, you initiated coverage on the sector with a positive outlook. What are the rationales? How much room for growth uh, do you still see in the sector and also your forecast for Indonesia cement consumption? Uh, hi, thank you, Winston. Um, we believe the Indonesian cement sector will be a growing sector in Indonesia. The, this is due to the reviving property sector, um, increasing infrastructure budget, and also the in growing Indonesian economy. We expect these factors to result in growing domestic cement demand, where we forecast around a 3.2% growth year on year to 65 million, 67 and 69 million tons for 2023 to 2025. When we compare our cement consumption per capita, to countries uh, such as China, Singapore, and Mexico, we are still very far behind uh, with 226 kilograms of cement consumption per capita. Um, when we compare this to the world average in 2020, 
the world averages above 500 kilograms of cement consumption per capita. So we believe there is still a substantial room for growth in Indonesia's cement consumption. Um, we also see a second half seasonality where cement demand increases significantly uh, around a 28.1% half on half. And early signs of this trend is already showing with double-digit month-on-month growth for July and high single-digit uh, growth for August year-on-year. Year. Uh, lastly, we believe comparing the, uh, as I mentioned before, comparing the cement uh, consumption per capita is a significant um, number to look at when looking at the potential growth of the cement industry in Indonesia. What are the top picks uh, in the sector? So our top pick for the sector is Cement Indonesia or SMGR. Uh, we initiate a SMGR with a buy rating and a EV EBITDA target of 7.9 times. Uh, we believe SMGR can be the proxy to the growing cement sector in Indonesia as they have the largest market share. Um, they have around 52% as of uh, August 2023. Uh, and we forecast their market share to stabilize at around 50% in 2023 to 2025. Uh, we also expect uh, their margins to increase. Uh, this is due to their economies of scale and also lower finance costs as we see a deleveraging trend in cement Indonesia. Thanks, William. Uh, we'll move to Sutatip on Thailand Retail. Uh, you have a positive view on the sector despite weaker same-store sales growth. Why is it the case? And any catalyst, do you see any catalyst to drive consumption going forward? Okay, we maintain a positive view on Thai retail sector as we believe same-store sales will recover in fourth quarter and also next year. Uh, even same-store sales has weakened in the third quarter due to seasonal effects and the high-base effect. Uh, we expect CPR, DJC, and HomePro third quarter earnings to grow year-on-year, -year, uh, led by CPR with uh, expected growth of around 9 to 14% year-on-year, and BJC with a growth of 13 to 18%, HomePro growing 3 to 6% year on year, while global earnings are, are expected to decline uh, slightly by 3 to 10% year on year. Same store sales growth should recover in the fourth quarter due to the high season and uh, more spending during the festive, festive season, followed by uh, a more positive outlook in the uh, next year due to the government stimulus. We believe uh, the digital wallet scheme should benefit modern trade due to the comprehensive coverage. So uh, the uh, domestic consumption tend to recover uh, next year that would benefit the uh, retail sector in Thailand. What are your top picks for stocks in the sector? CPR uh, is uh, our top pick in retail sector uh, based on its uh, solid earnings growth with potential benefits from Simulac. Uh, we should see 7-11 sales to be uh, driven by the 
uh, digital wallet scheme and also uh, CPX performance should improve due to the uh, debt refinancing and also uh, the store expansion. So overall, CPR would be uh, uh, one of the strongest earnings growth in retail sector this year and also next year. Thanks, Sutatip. And thanks, everyone, for joining the call. Have a good week. To receive our research reports, contact a trading rep at Maybank or access the reports on our trading platform. I'm Noel Lim on ASEAN Speaks by Maybank. Bank.